Hello, I'm Emily Hawthorne, a Middle East and North Africa analyst at Stratfor, a RAIN company. This podcast is brought to you by Stratfor Worldview, RAIN's premier digital publication for objective geopolitical intelligence and analyses. Sign up for the free Stratfor newsletter at worldview.stratfor.com. You're listening to Rain's Essential Geopolitics podcast, powered by Stratfor. I'm Emily Donahue. A joint sting operation managed by Australia and the United States has netted hundreds of arrests of organized crime figures. Australia called it a watershed moment. Interpol described it as the biggest ever law enforcement operation against encrypted communication. Here with more is Sam Lichtenstein, Stratfor Director of Global Security Analysts at Rain. Welcome back, Sam. Happy to be here. Well, let's start with the basics of this operation. What's it called? How did it get started? How did it evolve? Sure. So it's an absolutely incredible coordinated operation between, as you said, the United States and Australia primarily, but involving law enforcement partners across the globe, uh, particularly in Europe, Canada, and New Zealand. In the United States, it was known as Operation Trojan Shield, though other countries had their own names for the operation. And it essentially started in uh, late 2017, early 2018, where the FBI disrupted a service known as Phantom Secure, which was run by a Canadian citizen, Vincent Ramos, uh, and other individuals who essentially provided an array of services, uh, but particularly encrypted communications capabilities to a who's who of global criminals. And so in the wake of this major disruption, uh, there was a confidential human source who the FBI recruited, uh, and this individual was facing a variety of charges, uh, but essentially in exchange for reducing and and removing those charges, the FBI offered this individual who was already looking to kind of fill the void from Phantom Secure's disruption with different encrypted phones uh, to basically say, if you'll cooperate with us you won't face charges for what you've already done. So essentially, the FBI got in at the ground floor of selling these encrypted phones that this confidential human source took the lead in distributing uh, to the network that this individual maintained in the criminal underworld. And so over the past few years, the FBI and Australia, where the operations were concentrated, then brought on other partner countries Uh, to essentially monitor this massive wave of global criminality because the FBI, the Australians, and other partners had direct access to all of the information being transmitted on these phones. And so what was known as the ANAM, as an anonymous platform, uh, to criminals was ostensibly seen as a secure way to communicate. However, unbeknownst to them the whole time, the FBI and other law enforcement partners were able to see every single thing that they communicated, uh, be it pictures uh, of stolen merchandise, plans to ship drugs, anything that came across these phones essentially had a carbon copy sent to law enforcement. And so over the years, uh, my understanding is that Operation Trojan Shield intercepted some 20 million messages from nearly 12,000 devices uh, and these involved 300 transnational criminal organizations uh, across 90 countries. So the breadth of this operation is truly, truly massive. 
The size of this alone makes this distinct from other major busts, but can you talk to me a little bit about what else makes this unique? Absolutely. So aside from the scale, the really key thing to note here is, as I mentioned, this was an operation that the FBI, the Australians, and others controlled from the start. There have been other instances where the FBI or other global law enforcement agencies have penetrated encrypted online networks. Uh, In fact, part of the reason that this operation was so successful is that in the course of Operation Trojan Shield, the FBI and others actually took down competing services such as EncroChat and Sky Global that then forced criminals basically to funnel their operations towards the Anom platform that the FBI was running. And so unlike these other instances where the FBI kind of comes in at a later stage and disrupts the communications network, in the case of Operation uh, Trojan Shield, the FBI, the Australians, and others were seeing and overseeing the operation from the very beginning. And this gave them unprecedented view into a criminal underworld. Uh, the second thing I'd, I'd highlight that makes this operation uh, truly notable is the sheer amount of incriminating evidence that FBI and other law enforcement agencies were able to collect. Uh, oftentimes, criminals uh, are using code words or obfuscating their messages specifically because they're concerned about surveillance. However, because they trusted the Anon platform was secure, they did not spare any detail in revealing their plans. And in just some of the uh, indictments and the warrants that were published by the Department of Justice, there are a number of case studies they give just showing just how incriminating the evidence was. And so here's a situation where not only FBI is in from the ground floor, but they have completely incriminating evidence from which to draw from. So the criminal underworld, by not taking any sort of masking uh, protections for their communications, unwittingly has made the FBI and other law enforcement cases against them where they will eventually end up in court incredibly simple. What does this operation say about the state of global criminal organizations? So I want to make a distinction between the short term and the long term. Undoubtedly, in the short term, this operation is going to uh, impose new costs on global criminality. Uh, They're going to spend more time taking protections for their communications. They are going to have to increase the costs of ensuring that their communications are secure and do a whole variety of other uh, things that basically distract them from their primary goal, which is to illicitly make money and conduct other nefarious operations. So in the short term, we should be clear that this is going to have certain disruptions. And notably, the United States in its warrant uh, specifically said that the operation was designed to, quote, shake the confidence in global criminal networks. And for certainly in the short term, it does that. This revelation uh, has got to be incredibly embarrassing and concerning for global criminal organizations. And now they're going to be forced to spend much more time remediating the problems than conducting their malign activities. In the long term, however, even as they're taking more precautions, overall, expanding technologies, particularly encrypted communication software, offers criminals more opportunities than it does traps. Uh, International policing organizations, for all of their capabilities, 
are always going to be one step behind the creativity shown by global criminal organizations. Uh, it is in their inherent nature to try to find every exploitable opportunity and law enforcement uh, and legal regimes globally are inevitably going to be playing catch up. Uh, as just one indication of this, if you read the warrant that the DOJ provided, it illustrates how criminal organizations often compartmentalize their activities and use different brands of encrypted devices for different tasks. So, for instance, even if they were using Anom, say, to conduct the logistics of drug shipments, they might be using other competitors to actually coordinate how to uh, handle and conceal the illicit funds that they raised from those shipments. And so this type of compartmentalization is just one of the myriad ways that global criminals are going to be able uh, to sustain their operations, even if this is a temporary and highly embarrassing setback. Sam, what should we expect going forward? You can expect to see the exact same game of cat and mouse that was played out uh, in the real world played out in the digital world. Uh, there are going to be ongoing operations like this one uh, where FBI or other law enforcement partners surreptitiously monitor global criminals either because they've created uh, supposedly safe spaces that are actually controlled by law enforcement or they're able to access spaces that were once closed off to them, uh, but they are able to get in either because they have a source or they're able to use some sort of technological vector to break encryption. Uh, but inevitably, global criminality will rebound. It will move forward. Uh, and this, while an incredibly impressive law enforcement win, ultimately is going to be fleeting. And global criminals, uh, be they drug trafficking organizations, Mafia groups, uh, organized criminals of all sorts are going to continue to use the cyber world uh, where they can have some degree of anonymity, some degree of encryption, have a massive global reach to coordinate their activities. Uh, and that is not going to change just because this operation temporarily put a dent in some of their activities. Sam Lichtenstein is Stratfor Director of Global Security Analysts at Rain. Thank you, Sam. Thanks, Emily. Happy to be here. There's plenty more about this event at Stratfor Worldview. Guiding our clients with intelligence on security is a core area of expertise for Rain and Stratfor. Try us out. Sign up for the free Stratfor Worldview newsletter from Rain. Sign up today at worldview.stratfor.com. That's worldview.stratfor.com. I'm Emily Donahue. Thanks for listening. <laughs>